College Church, thank you for the privilege of um, being of living with you and um, being one of your pastors in the last 20 years. Um, man, I can't believe it's been that long. My goodness. Uh, God led us here out of a church that we loved very, very much. And, and frankly, I wasn't sure uh, whether I would make it here because um, I, 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 I didn't feel like I fit the type of person that is in College Church. And I say that because I know some of you feel exactly the same way. But what happened is um, God changed our hearts and he melded us into a body that has become a family. And that's who you are. So what we're going to do this morning is to celebrate what God has done in our church if you'll allow me to do that. May I? This is a great day for College Church. Um, but I should just preface by saying that some of the attention this morning has been put on Lori and I. And as much as we value that and we will cherish that, we will watch that video again. Like when you hear some of the people in the video saying, oh, yeah, he taught me this. That I stole them blind. That was their own stuff. Dude, I was just recycling it. That's all. So, it, I mean, that's how it works here. We listen to one another. We teach one another. And together, God does something that's bigger than any one of us. I sit in the first hour, and I truly believe this, that leadership is, is important, but it's sometimes overrated. Because at the end of the day, the leader cannot do what the people will not do, what the people will not allow, what they won't embrace and embody. And so in the American culture where we love to find one person and, and credit or blame them, it's actually what God's doing in the people. That is always the story. The Holy Spirit is like the wind and the body of Christ is like the wave. The pastor is like the surfer that just stays on the board for as long as he can so that you've allowed me to stay on the board uh, for 20 years. I told them that um, when I called and I interviewed with the church here, I said, what's the one thing that you must do at College Church in order to survive? And they listed 11. <laughs> Holy cow. It's like, and there has been a time when I have failed every one of those 11, but with very much grace and forgiveness, you've allowed us to stay. And I am just thrilled to be with you. Some years ago, after we first moved here, um, it was Halloween on Euclid. And Euclid Halloween is like a festival. It's like a Super Bowl party. Not that many, at this day, not that many kids lived on Euclid. I think they bust them in to Euclid and Spencer so they can come to where they thought rich people lived. <laughs> have no idea. So on this particular night, the kids were coming all oh, just a stream, and then there was a calm. And I remember one little girl, all of a sudden, her parents led her to the end of our steps. And then she ran up the steps and ran down the sidewalk, knocked on the door. I came to the door and she said, trick or treat, and held out her bag. 
and I dropped something in it. it wasn't a religious track. And I just I dropped candy in it, and then she turned around and she ran the full length of the sidewalk and went down. And her mother was already crouched down like this, and I, I could see her lips. She went. stop, turn around, go back, and say, thank you. She turned around. Now she wasn't running. She was walking real slow with her head down. And she finally, I was just standing there watching this. And she knocked on the door again. And I said, trick or treat? She went, thank you and turned and ran to the next house. It's a little how it feels when, uh, when you're in a church this long. It feels like God, uh, we walk up to heaven, we knock on the door, we hold out the bag, he puts stuff in it, and we turn and run to the next idea. Today is about turning around going back and saying thank you to God for what he's done in and through College Church. And then we can run to the next idea. Is that okay? So can I take a moment and talk about what God has done? This is what the prophet was doing. He simply said, remember the past, how God has led you out he has crushed the enemies in front of you. He has made you a nation when you were nothing. Remember that? And they went back. They knocked on the door and said, thank you. Then God said, good. Now turn around and run to the next thing. Here's some of the things God has done in College Church in the last, just in the last 20 years. And Trust me, it's the only 20 I know about, though the church itself is 126 years old. It's phenomenal. Most churches live 70 years, they die, and that's okay. But this one has almost doubled that. What God has done in the last 20 years is he has brought, I, I, I don't have a number, I couldn't possibly know this, hundreds of people to faith in Jesus Christ for the first time. God has reconciled families that were going to split up. He has found collegians by the thousands, literally in the last 20 years, who were about done with the church formal. And when they came into your body, the congregation that you have formed they ran into you. They changed their mind about the church. So I'm pretty confident this morning that while I can't name them all, there are literally thousands of people now in their 30s and 40s that are still in the church that wouldn't have been if they wouldn't have met you when they were 18 or 20 years old. One of the things God has done is he has found people already in the ministry who were tired and they were quitting. Some of them had failed morally, and they thought they would never be able to serve again. And without introducing themselves, they came and they slipped in the back. And they would have stayed there 
except they ran into you. And you prayed with them, and you loved them, and you didn't tell me this. They did. And I've stood out there, I've stood in that hallway, I've stood in my office with a number of them just before they left College Church to go back into the ministry. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but I do know this. The book of James says, there will come a time when some of you will wander off. But the one who turns them back to the faith will save them and cover a multitude of sins. The body of Christ in College Church, I can't tell you how many people have been saved and how many sins have been covered because of the way that you have graced one another. You have provided pastoral care for people in their worst hour. You've not just written notes, you showed up in hospital rooms, in funeral homes, at receptions, at altars, and you prayed and you stayed for as long as it took. It wasn't your job, it was your calling. And because you did that, those people are in different places today. My goodness, you did that for us. When I lost my brother-in-law on a Sunday morning and had to preach, I came and knelt here alone until I felt the hands of three men I've been having breakfast with come and touch my shoulder. And it changed the, my entire demeanor that morning when you did that. And when my mother was dying in a nursing home, it was the body of Christ that showed up, set down a chair. One of them came and just sat down a chair and sat in it. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm sitting here with you. We'll do this together. When my sister uh, passed away just a year ago at this time, too early, it was a group of 30-somethings and their children, must have been 20 of them, that came and walked to the end of our, of our sidewalk and they formed a circle, and they just started to pray because they knew what was happening. There must have been 50, 60 of you that encircled my sister's little house on 5th Street right over here, and you sang songs, and you read Scripture, and one by one, the members of this church walked up to the window, the screen window, and said things to her, now in a coma. I didn't hear what anybody said except one. <laughs> and she was a friend of Jackie's. She walked up to the window and just said, Jackie, go home. And within two hours, she did. That's the body of Christ. You're going to hear and see a lot of things in the church 
by the time you get older. And a lot of it is going to make you nervous and you'll be tempted to leave. Can I just remind you that when the, when the church functions like the body of Christ, there is nothing more beautiful in all the world. It is what people still want. They just don't have language for it. So those little things that you do that you say, oh, it's not much, it was easy, like it's always supposed to be hard. Those things add up and they make a difference in people's lives, in every person's life. Because at the end of the day, they're all human. Some years ago, this church, literally this church, wrote a book called Soul Shift. Um, Dave's name and my name is on it, but we didn't write it. What nobody knows is that we wrote a real thin, rough draft and then handed that rough draft out to about 150 people in college church and said, chew it up. You never say that in college church. Chew it up. Because people are smart here and they have their own ideas. And so they chewed it up. And they found better ways to say it. All we did was take their content and then weave it back into the manuscript. And what was about 80 pages became 200 pages full of your stuff, not mine. As a result, more than 2,000 churches across North America have used that little thing as part of their spiritual curriculum. I've been visited by people in little Methodist churches, 50, 80 people who drive up from Georgia and talk about the revival that's happening in their church that they're afraid to tell the pastor about. I thought he ought to like this. So God has used the work that y'all have done to revive well, 2,000 churches, I mean, there could potentially be an audience of more than 200,000 from your vision for spiritual formation. That's some of what God has done. God has welcomed the immigrant here. God has walked with the struggling child who can't get through school or with that child's parent to fill out forms because the parent was not able to read. God has held one of those children while their parents were taken into custody. It was a mentor at college church was the first person the police called. Because of the commitment of this body to the people who need it, when they need it. So we go up, we knock on the door, and we say, thank you. Before I turn the corner, can I get you to thank him with me? Let's pray. Jesus, we're about to talk about what you're going to do and forget what you've already done. But we are bold about what we're going to do because of what you've already done.
you have carved a path through things we could not get around. And you have raised up people who thought they were nothing. And you've put down people who thought they were everything right in our midst. Father, you are alive and well, and you are intimately tied to the ministry of College Church. And so whether we've been coming here for years or we've just been here a week, from the bottom of our heart, we thank you. In Jesus' name, say amen, please. Yeah, that's, yeah, thank you. Can I take five minutes to talk about what we're going to do? We feel that um, the changes in the last year and a half to two years have been significant. Everyone that I know says we've never been through something like this and we'll probably never go through it again. I pray to God we never go through it again. And we've learned lots of lessons in these things. And while we still can't find words to articulate all that this means, here's some of the things that we've learned coming out of uh, the pandemic. One is that we've learned that the church is more divided than we thought. We're starting to wonder if maybe our unity was always a little fragile. Um, in that we were, well, we're wondering anyway, were we driven more by ideology than by gospel? We're starting to wonder, is our narrative of the church too small? While we were pledging allegiance to Jesus, were we really being discipled by somebody else? And so their voice was the one we repeated in an argument. So one of the things that we will do as we come out of this is we will focus more on the meaning of the gospel, what it really is. Most Christians today will say it's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it has to be more than that because Jesus came preaching the gospel and ain't none of that happened yet. So it's got to be a bigger story. That may be the center of it, but it's got to be larger than that. And it has to be more aggressive. It has to be more bold. It has to be fresh. It has to connect with people's actual brokenness. And it has to have power to confront people, not just the injustice and the oppression that is in systems we always talk about, but it has to have the power to confront us. We need a gospel that looks us in the eye and doesn't just speak to some faceless number of people. It speaks to us, and it calls us to life and to new heights. We've learned that the meaning of church is different. It's shifting from gathering 
how many, how much, to sending. How far the reach, how deep the impact. Where are people actually living and serving and are they reproducing the gospel there in those places? You understand that's a fundamentally different worship service and we're making progress, but we're not there yet. Worship will have to focus more on sending at the end so you feel sent, not just released. And I got to find ways to say something that's more viral. That, I mean that in a good way. You're like, no, it's pretty viral. Makes me sick. Yeah, it's... It assumes the life of whatever person it enters and it reproduces itself at the permission of the person themselves. That's viral. The person themselves embraces it and reproduces it. Its power is that it doesn't gather. It spreads. We have found that some of the people that we thought were attached aren't. Right now they're saying about 30% of all people that used to come two years ago, about 30% are saying, I have no plans of going back. That's almost a third. Churches today can't even tell who comes anymore because we're all saying, oh, they're probably online. Watch my head. We don't even know. And so we found that a number of people who were saved aren't converted. So we have to double down on making better disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We have to raise up people who don't just believe in Jesus. They actually believe Jesus. And they believe what Jesus believes about their enemies, about their money, about their vows, about the way that they live in, they practice the lifestyle of Jesus. Because that's how things change. A small group of people pushed to the margin, find each other, they find another way to live. And by living in that way, people find them. So we can't just proclaim the gospel. We have to become the gospel for the people in our community. We will try harder as we go forward to become a church that is um, wider. I don't mean fat. I mean... um, it's broad enough to contain people that have differences. Church, the day of arguing is over.
Now we will know who the people of God are by the ones who make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. We have to get as open-sourced and open-minded and welcoming to people who are not like us as we are at repeating our arguments. Are you with me? So in the, in the years ahead, we're praying that God will begin to raise up people. That's Greek for y'all. Um, who actually own the church you attend. You will make the big decisions. You will be the ones who assume the risks. You will be, as you are, the reason people keep coming back. You will be the ones who visit the sick and in prison. God will use the people to raise up the church. So over the next few years, my calling is to help you find yours. Even if you have a job that you once thought was secular, even if you hate your job, our calling as a church is to help you find the mission in your job, which is sometimes the people, not just the work. And your job, your mission will be to expand the borders of College Church until the lines between the sacred and the secular are blurred, until all that was once secular becomes a place where Christ is Lord. So our mission must include the places where you work and live. We haven't succeeded unless you do. And your mission is to make more and better disciples who transform the community and they resource and serve the greater church. Here's the good news. The Holy Spirit is already inside of us because we see this as an opportunity and not a threat. We're not afraid. We're not cocky about it, but we're not afraid. In fact, if you could pick, you can't. It would be more fun to be alive today than any other time. Because decisions have consequences writ large. What a beautiful time to be alive. And the fact that y'all see that is evidence that the Spirit is inside of you. And the fact that we've already started doing that, not on purpose. Most of the time, we don't know what we're doing here we like back into stuff and it works. And we go, wow, man, 
Who did that? So we've already started down some of these roads together and they've already been laid. The stuff's already in place. And everything that we need to get started with these new things that God is going to do, we already have. We have enough ideas. We have enough money. Well, for now, we have enough critical mass. The morale is high enough. We have the favor of leaders in the community. We have the trust of the community. We have the next two generations already in place. Over the last five to seven years, two out of three members, been more than 100, that have joined are less than 35 years old. Dude, I'm only 37, but they're younger than me. One out of four are less than 25 years old. And this is the time when people aren't joining anything in Generation Y and Z, least of all. In the last three years, the average age on the church board here has dropped 20. So the people are already in place. They already know what we're called to do. Everything I've said to you just now, I did not invent. It came from a board retreat last May. These are their ideas, not mine. We have the Holy Spirit, and he can do anything. And we have the wind to our back. All we need now is you. Are you in? Think about it. Are you done? Are you all in? So now, Jesus, just as we have thanked you for the first part, we trust you for the second. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's power, there is love, there is a sound mind. And so we consecrate ourselves to the new and beautiful thing that you're doing in the great name of Jesus. Let the church say amen.